Everybody, it's Monday night, and it's time for another episode of Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. I'm one of your two co-hosts tonight. Uh, as you can see, we're a little light here, but that's all right because we've got a couple people to make up for that. I'm one of your two co-hosts, like I said, Tom Hunyadi. You may know me from my other show, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, where we talk all things solo McCartney. And I am joined by my partner in crime. She is <laughs> the queen of everything. Once again, we know her as the queen of the, the backdrops. She's the, she's the queen of all Beatles media. And we know her from the, from the books, Michael Jackson or FAQ, uh, Michael Jackson, all that's left to know for the King of Pop. She's also part of the, um, uh, the, what the fandom and the Beatles that she uh, co-edited with our, our good buddy, uh, Ken Womack. And of course her wonderful book, um, songs they were singing, uh, the guided tour through the Beatles, lesser known tracks. And she is the queen Kittle tool kits. Welcome again. Thank you so much, Tom. Glad to be here tonight and welcome uh, everybody, uh, everybody out there tuning in yeah. tonight. This is going to be a great show. Sure is. And tonight we're talking about tug of war as that for because this month it's going to be celebrating its 40th anniversary and we thought we'd bring it. a few friends with us along and talk about it and you know if if you know this book you know who's uh who we're talking to these they're the uh the authors of the of the wonderful and and very necessary book uh, eight arms to hold you this is like the i mean for it's i've heard people reference this as the bible <laughs> you know so it's uh, it's very very important in in the solo beatles uh catalog it's, if you if you have it then, then you know it and you you look at it all the time and we're talking about uh chip mattinger and mark easter how are you guys doing today good to see you hi all doing well thanks good good and as you can see tonight we are a little light we're missing a couple people um ken michaels um, unfortunately has come down with COVID. So he's hurting a little bit. His, his voice is a little rough. So he's uh, decided to take the night off, but luckily he's, uh, he's also uh, sent us the news. So we're going to do the news as well. So thank you, Ken, for, for sending that to us. And, um, and our buddy Joe Mayo, unfortunately, uh, he was, he's not be, he's not able to join us tonight as well. So um, that being said, uh, Kit, I'm going to, I'll read the news and then we'll get to our, we'll get to our main topic, which is tug of war. So um, yeah. So uh, Ringo Starr just announced the second leg of his all-star band tour. This will follow the first leg, which will start May 27th with the first of two dates at the Casino Rama in Art Ontario. 
The wrap-up June 26th at Ruth uh, Eckerd Hall in Clearwater, Florida. The second leg will begin September 23rd at the Hartford Healthcare Amphitheater. And it will end uh, two dates in Mexico City, October 19th and 20th at the National Auditorium. The second leg will include 19 concerts in just under a month. Perhaps a bit surprising is that Ringo will be doing a total of seven more concerts in Canada, hitting Montreal, Kingston, um, and other dates, uh, including British Columbia. Add that to the 22 dates from the first leg, and Ringo, at the age of 81 and 82, will be doing a total so far of 41 concerts. Pretty amazing. Wow. You know. That is incredible. And no um, Chicago dates, darn it. And no Arizona <laughs> dates either. Or St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, come on. So all three of us are SOL on this one, I guess. Huh? I guess. <laughs> um, speaking of Ringo, it was just announced that his recent book of photos of the Beatles, some of his private collections, some that were taken off the internet called Lifted, will have what is now being called its Cestial Edition coming out. This is the final edition of the book. And from what I've read, the only difference between these books and the pressing before is that each copy is signed by Ringo. The price for the book is $599, and all the proceeds go to benefit Ringo's charity, the Lotus Foundation. You can order the book exclusively through Julian's auctions. Okay. Uh, I think the, uh, the new edition also comes in a, a slipcase. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Very cool. Um, one of the many new uh, albums that Ringo appears on for his drumming is that tribute album that uh, to the late uh, guitarist Johnny Winter put together by his brother Edgar. The album is called Brother Johnny and Ringo drums on the song Stranger, which features Michael McDonald on lead vocals and Joel Walsh on guitar. So something else to look forward to from Ringo. Up. Yeah, uh, and Michael, Michael McDonald, you know, we're talking about seeing um, uh, who are we talking Doobie about brothers. seeing? Doobie, Doobie brothers, brothers, that's right. Yeah. 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 Speaking of doobies, we'll get to that here in a few minutes. Um, <laughs> the Grammy Awards took place Sunday night, April 3rd, and Paul and George were nominated in different categories. Paul had two nominations and lost uh, to both uh, for Best Song or Best Rock Song. Paul's uh, Find My Way from his McCartney 3 album was nominated and lost out to Foo Fighters' song Waiting on a War. Paul's McCartney 3 was also nominated for Best Rock Album, but also lost out to the Foo Fighters for their latest Medicine at Midnight album. However, George Harrison was nominated in the category for Best Box Set or Special Limited Edition Package for All Things Must Pass, 50th Anniversary Edition, and won the prize for the category with uh, Darren Evans, Danny, and Olivia Harrison listed as art, art, art directors. Great. Olivia was there at the ceremony accepting the award, and she said congratulations to Danny for driving the reissue, Paul Hicks for remixing the 70 tracks, and to the entire team for their love and hard work. To George for giving us the opportunity to reveal in a revel in your music, which is full of hope, compassion, and rock and roll. Danny Harrison added, congratulations to our team, Paul Hicks, um, names I can't pronounce, <laughs> Spencer <laughs> Ramsey, Richard Radford, Dodd Fleming, Rachel Cooper, and all of George and Olivia Harrison for bringing our love of all things must pass to, to life with the Grammy winning box set. Thank you to all of our friends at Universal for letting us go big. 
And that was a big box set, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. All right. Well uh, it should also be pointed out that the first, or that the that in the best rock song category, another song was nominated with a Beatles connection, and that was Weezer's "All My Favorite Songs," which was co-written by um, was it Isley Juber? Is that how you pronounce it? Kids? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, the daughter of Lawrence and Hope Juber. Uh, Lawrence, of course, being the last lead guitarist in Wings. Okay. So the the big controversy that's uh, you know going around right now. Um, a lot of people talking about this, and I'm sure we'll all have our opinions. And I know a lot of people are dying to hear what we have to say about this. Uh, Ultimate Classic Rock is reporting that in honor of George's classic album, All Things Must Pass. The cannabis company Dadgrass has announced a special line of products called All Things Must Grass. This collections include pre-rolled joints, rolling papers, a rolling tray, posters, buttons, pins, matches, and stickers. A special dad stash edition disguises the pack of joints to look like a double cassette version of All Things Must Pass. I do think that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> this this is in fact a collaboration with the Harrison Estate, making it the first uh, cannabis partnership with any of the Beatles, which I'm kind of surprised by that Paul wasn't the first, but that's another story. Um, a press release from Dagress says that the joints are crafted from a mix of organic CBD and CBG hemp. We tend to shy away uh, from the high test blow your mind weed that the kids are into today, <laughs> said Ben Starmer, <laughs> co-founder and CEO of Dagrass. For this project, we set out to create a mellower kind of joint, something that blended together the type of high quality, low potency and all natural flower that was around when George was having a laugh back in the early 70s. Just a classic smoke for a classic bloke. Kittle Tool. What do you think? Oh boy, you know I I just you know I've I've said this on other you know Facebook forums or discuss this. I I just think you know regardless of of your view, you know marijuana. And yes, I understand this is the kind of marijuana that you don't get high from. Right. I mean, I I, I, I understand that, but the fact that George died from lung cancer. I, I I just think you know you're connecting him to a smoking product of of any kind. Mm. I just think is really tasteless. Yeah. Um, I was about to I, say poor taste. Yeah, exactly. And poor taste. Exactly, and I just I'm just really shocked that the Lennon estate or the Lennon the Harrison <laughs> estate, um, you know, doesn't you know see that connection i i mean or or just chooses not to you know just chooses to ignore it i i i was just shocked when when this news came out i i i just think it's really at the very least um extremely tacky well i was okay. just talking to the wife about this um and it's like well it's, it's 20 years too soon mm -hmm. But yeah. we, we don't know uh, what sort of relief that George might have gotten from using right. marijuana. So, you know, I think it's, it's more what, grass, but it's, yeah. I can see why they thought it was a good idea at the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah. I just, I agree. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Mark. I was just going to say, I was just, what Kit was saying that regardless, it's just, it's a smoking product. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it, whatever it is, I just think that it crosses a line that, uh, yeah, I, I, I find it pretty offensive, but okay. oh well, I'm an old well, man. Well, it's funny you say that, Mark, because, uh, you know, I was talking with, oh, with other people earlier today about that word offensive and and we're taking because i mean i disapprove of it as well i i don't i'm not as bothered by it as a lot of people are but where is where what you know where are comments from from paul and ringo disapproving of this where where are comments from people that well, knew george paul best? never would the ultimate stoner but i mean yeah, exactly I mean, where are comments from other people that knew george best that may be offended by this where are comments yeah. from jeff and bob or or eric for that for that matter you know i mean why aren't other people celebrities or people that knew george best why aren't they offended by this is is my question and in, and if danny and olivia aren't then why should we you yeah. know i mean oh again well, it's I mean, just I, a personal yeah you know. yeah and i'm, I'm right. with you mark but now yeah. and other people have said well but this is this appeals to you know this is like george's sense of humor you know right. all things yeah. was grass and the you know that we were talking right. before the show about you know the images of the gnome smoking all george would have right. thought that was funny and i'm like well right. maybe but it to me <laughs> though it just goes back right. to how did george die i mean mm-hmm. i i just well, I yeah yeah, I, I think that it's, um, you know, again, uh, doing some research, was it he get brain cancer first and then it went to his lungs um, or something like that? I thought it was that. the I other mean, way around. Yeah, I, I, got, I have to go back and, and yeah. look at this. Well, but again, initially it was throat cancer was it in 97. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. And right. that was right. directly related right. to right. Related to smoking. And he has meant, <laughs> and he has talked about that too. Yeah. But then again, you know, if anybody is going to know better than us, Danny and Olivia, you know, should know better than us whether or not he would approve of something like yeah. this. In, in my opinion, as, yeah, as, it's, it's not that I'm not yeah. really going at it from the, uh, you know, would he have approved or what? It's just, it's just the right. whole thing, just kind of right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's skunky, as, <laughs> which a lot of it smells well skunky. <laughs> well put. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I mean, the, the 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 people in charge of this say I'm saying has been. I mean, um, Ed Chen sent us an article. Um, I guess apparently this has been in the works for the last year or a year and a half or so, uh, trying to find this blend. And they said some other high-profile collaborations are in the work as well. So uh, we might get that. Let me roll it uh, set just uh, still. So you never, you you know, the let me roll it and the high 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 sets are I'm sure are coming uh, next. Um, so, but um, but I'm going to be showing my disapproval by by not purchasing any of the products in, involved with this now me being the paul fanatic that i am it might be a little tougher <laughs> to uh, to say you know say no to that but then again i don't want to be a hypocrite because you know what i've smoked marijuana in the past and i don't want to say that i you know completely disagree yeah. with well this, same but, here uh, yeah know, it's not know. yeah it's it, again it's it's more just a is, right. is this the kind of thing 
<laughs> we want to attach right. to these right. records and to this, you know, but, right. but that's yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know, and I know, I know a lot of people too are mentioning, okay, the gnomes, they're taking the gnomes on the cover and making them smoke or, you know, smoke this stuff or whatever. And their people are offended by that, which is fine too. I, I get that, you know, but you know, I mean, if the Beatles don't want to be associated with drugs, should they take the marijuana leaf plants off the Sergeant Pepper cover as well? You know, I mean, there's there's multiple ways you can, you know, go about this, but I'm just going to leave it alone after this. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to look at it anymore. And, and, and you know, and that's that. But uh, anybody else want to make a last comment about this before we uh, continue? Well, if you look at the gnomes on the cover and if you've got the, the Uber box and have the right. nice little uh you can see that most of them all had a pipe in hand right okay so all right you know, by the way his hands are he had he had a pipe at one point right yeah so. mm -hmm. all right all right i got <laughs> okay all right we were talking about before the show and i was like not the gnomes come on all right you got a point the gnomes were smoking pipes all they're right. smoking something <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so we're going to, before we get to tug of war, we're going to talk to Mark and Chip about uh, this beauty, the eight arms to hold you, um, you know, what's going on with the book now. But first, let's just talk about a little bit about the origins of this. And, you know, we mentioned before the show, this book out here all together now, which um, I would assume that was a big influence on what you guys have created, correct? Sure. I mean, uh, that was one of the first big mass market Beatles books. I remember buying it in 1975, end of 75, beginning of mm -hmm. 76. And it was just like, oh my God, this is the kind of information I've always wanted to know release mm -hmm. dates and to know, you know, when things came out and dispelling some myths. And, uh, but it was, again, you know, at that time, uh, there weren't a lot of Beatles books. And so that was to have one that was specifically uh, dedicated to the work, to the, mm -hmm. the releases was, um, you know, that and the illustrated record by Roy Carr and Tony Tyler were like, my God, you know, where did these come from? You know, <laughs> um, because before that, it was pretty much the Hunter Davis book and mm -hmm. Longest Cocktail Party, which are amazing books, but oh, they, yeah. they covered different things. And, and so right. those books really the first ones to look at at the music the work and right. so yeah so that, those absolutely that book you know all together now specifically was a big influence without a mm -hmm. doubt right yeah i just found a, a really good copy of the longest cocktail party so i'm looking forward to digging into that but uh chip talk about your experience with the all together now book i was going to say that that eight arms to hold you was kind of a hybrid of the uh all together now and the, the Roy Carr and Tony Taylor book by mm -hmm. taking the, the, the actual physical information about the discs and combining it with background and commentary. Yeah. And oh you goodness. want to talk commentary, you know, right. the, the, the Roy Carr and Tony Tyler book, those guys let it fly. They didn't um, hold back, huh? Not one little bit. And, but that was incredibly for a, you know, a 10 year old kid like me when that book first came out to read that stuff and to, for my uh, opinions to be challenged like that at that right. time, because of that, you know, 10 years, old, oh, it's all wonderful, you know. And so, you know, to have, I, I think one of my favorite phrases in there, 
not that I necessarily agree with it, but I think uh, one of them was about ding dong, ding dong, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and the, <laughs> it's like a two two line review and the end of it. He just says a pox on it. And it was like, <laughs> oh, my God, you know, first right. of all, what's a pox at the end of 10 right. years? You know, I got to go look that up. So it broadened my vocabulary greatly. Right. Um, but also just, OK, that's what these guys think. And, you know, they review right. for the enemy and they're, you know, so, um, yeah, so it was at Chip's absolutely right. That was putting those two together, you know, right. sort of the, the ultimate goal. But, but bring right. it up. But today. do you think? Do you think something like that turns a young fan off from going off and listening to it themselves and and, and join get their own opinion on that? Not me. That was one thing we really wanted Eight Arms to do was to encourage right. people to go back and to discover right. all of this, yeah, and to, and to listen to these things and to listen right. to all the different versions of these things. Right. And, you know, you'll make up your own opinion. You'll make yeah. up your own history based on. Mm-hmm. So. You know that was that was one of our goals right out of the box. Right. Yeah. What I say is not going to deter someone from right <laughs> from from discovering something on their own. It's you know it, right. it might give them a different viewpoint or whatever, and that's the whole that's the whole idea. So. Gotcha. Was was there any talk of ever including the Beatles discography in this book or at all, or was it always just going to be a solo Beatles project? It, it always was always solo. a solo. Yeah. Okay. Um, it came out of, uh, in uh, 1995, I did a uh, bootleg guide for the 910 with Doug Solby. Mm. And I have that. <laughs> thank you. Great book. <laughs> and I was kind of assimilating information uh, for an update. And Doug and I kind of had differing opinions, as we have since day one. Um, on, on what it should be included. And we just decided, okay, we're gonna put the, the, the blue book to rest and you go do your thing. And um, and it grew from that, I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and then Kit, before I get to you, um, one of the question is, is, was it always gonna be one big book or did you guys think about breaking it down into decades as well? You know what I mean? Instead of just putting all your time and energies into one book, you know, why not break it up you know, do a decade, take a break, and then go back to it. I mean, was there any talks of that, or was it all just always going to be one big book? It, it was always one book, and, and you could look at it two different ways. You could look at it with each individual, ex-Beatle, mm-hmm. right. and all of their history, or you could do the all together now and put right. everything together. And that gets real messy if you want to go start <laughs> looking for, oh, what's that song on Mind Games? And you know, right. when did it come out? And you're you're just going through indexes the whole time. Hmm. Okay, Kit. Yeah, I I have definitely uh, been wanting to ask you guys this for so long because I've I I'll tell you folks, I mean this this book is is just so full of information. Yes. Um. About uh. I mean when this is I mean this is the the subtitles the Solo Beatles Compendium. And uh, it's that's uh, the, it's not a lie. <laughs> really, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it really has every detail you, you would want to know about the, the sessions of recording, uh, you know, their their albums. I mean, everything uh, outtakes everything you can imagine. So my first question is, how did you compile all this information? <laughs> I mean, how did you go about this research? 
Um, well, I, I've been collecting, you know, I, I discovered music a little later than Mark. I started out with sports and then we were living in central Illinois and I could pick up WLS off of the AM. And at that time it was right in 1973 when we had the deluge with Red Rose and, and Mind Games and, and Band on the Run and uh, Material World and the Red and the Blue album. So I was kind of hit with it all at once. Uh, you know, I remember hearing things earlier than that, but I've always kind of been a collector, um, not only of, of music, but of, but of information as well. And it came down to that this book didn't exist, but I wanted it. So I, I, I guess I have to write it. Mm. Yep. And, and one of our viewers said that it was, you know, was a high time, you know, for a book to be, uh, for this book to be written, that, uh, that it was, uh, you know, really filled a, a, a niche and, and, you know, it filled a, a gap of in information, you know, particularly the solo, uh, mm -hmm. solo uh, catalog. How right. long did it take to uh, compile all of this? I don't remember what we we're saying it, it took three years from start of writing to publication. And before that, I think it's kind of one of those things that, you know, an artist's first album is going to contain some of its best material because he's been creating it throughout his entire life as, as an artist. And I think that's kind of what happened here is, you know, we pick up information along the way and, okay, we need those B sides and, uh, the Australian mix is different than this one. And, you know, you create your own collection. You know, we were back in the analog days and making mixtapes and, and compilations um, as opposed to just downloading everything at once nowadays and <laughs> sure. turning it into a playlist. But to answer your question, you know, probably a solid, when did that come out? That came out in 2000. 2000. I'd say maybe 25 years of assimilating, you know, off-air tapes and, and interviews and, and clippings and the like. And it, it was just assimilating all that into something that I could use that would be useful, that would be useful to others. And that way I could forget all that information because I had it down in the book. Mm. Well, thank you for doing that <laughs> and, yeah. and he, he came in a year into it and uh like we said earlier uh turned it from an auto parts catalog into something that you can read right <laughs> well and that's the other thing we were talking a little bit about this uh before the show that yeah it doesn't read just like you know a, a manual or something that that it it does uh you know it 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 certainly gives you the information that you want, but it is also, you know, a fun read. And mm -hmm. uh, and the, the fact that you do interject some opinion um, into it does make it fun and whether you agree with it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was, and, and um, Mark, you were mentioning that was very intentional. Oh, absolutely. That, that you know, I, as Chip was saying, you know, it was, we wanted this book. Um, I think another frustration from years of books about the individual Beatles was that you would notice that they would cover their solo years 
and almost like an appendix at the end of the book. They would, hmm. even though it was yeah. about Paul McCartney, they would spend right. the entire book talking about 1942 to 1970, and then 1970 on will be covered in 20 pages at the end of the book. Absolutely. You know, so it, that frustration of, uh, you know, there there is interesting information, folks, that people would probably like to hear. It doesn't, the history does not begin and end with the Beatles. And mm -hmm. so, um, so that frustration, it was like, okay, well, we're really going to give it to you. So, you know, that's why it's 720 pages, because it's like, okay, th this up to that point in 2000, like, we want to put it all out there. We want what we would have wanted to have gotten in the mail when that book came through. And um, so, yeah, the, and so that's, you know, with being fans, but also being uh, collectors, and, and, and then also, as Chip said, you know, just wanting to make sure that we, there was a place for all this amazing research that Chip, certainly Chip is the researcher and I'm the writer. I mean, that's kind of, it, it's simplified because I also enjoy research and also, you know, mm -hmm. and Chip also enjoys writing. But when it came, especially to Eight Arms, I think it's just easier to put it that way. But we wanted it to all be in one wonderful little wrapped up package um, that, that hopefully, despite its size, people could either read from the beginning and go all the way through, or they could just pick up in the middle and go, you know, and, and it kind of worked out that way. So hmm. if you string I, them I, end I, to I, end, so. we're talking about a hundred years of music history, mm -hmm. right? 30 years each for, and 10 years for John. So th there's a lot of history in, in this book. And that's something that Mark brought to it was a broader knowledge while I was all drilled down on all the, the different McCartney mixes and live tapes and everything. Mark brought in the, the context of what else was going on at the time. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm a history major, you know, right. that was my, I'm, I'm a historian and, and, and also I'm an editor. And that's mm -hmm. another thing that, uh, that I, I bring to it. I've, I've worked, uh, Thanks to my friendship with with Andrew Sandoval, I've worked in editing and and you you know if you buy any of the monkeys projects or the things that you know all of those things that come out through Rhino that he's worked with, you'll see my name as editorial supervisor or doing something like that. That's because that's I've done I've worked with him for twenty five years on that kind of stuff as well. I just right. it's an ability to look at the material and say okay. Uh, what do we need here? What do we not need here? Let's rearrange this. Let's, you know, I, I view it from that eye as well. So, you know, so with Chip and me, it was just, it was a perfect marriage yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> in, in terms of our talents. And so uh, it was, uh, you know, and the funny thing is you'd think we'd had, you know, butted heads and we really never did. I mean, it was, oh, well, uh, you know, <laughs> once or twice maybe, but. Um. But comparatively, right. I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, uh -oh. but I could always, as soon as I opened the door, I knew if we were going to get anything done that night, that we were going to be productive or, or one of us was going to be in a mood and nothing was going to happen yeah. before yes, we yeah. even made it down to, to turn on the computer. Yes. Yeah. I had a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the other, you know, just to interject is another, what I was doing during that time, that entire time of writing, I had left, I used to work with Chip. I knew Chip okay. went along before, but Chip and I worked together and 
so I left my job. I completely rearranged my life. I went back and got my master's in counseling and got a new job. I started driving a hundred miles back and forth, going back and getting, you know, doing all of this stuff. I completely changed my life at the same time, literally the same, like within the same month that we just started writing the book. So yeah, so all of a sudden I upended my life um, and and decided, oh, and at the same time, I'm also going to write this 720 page book with Chip. So it was, you know, I look back and I think, God, God, you know, how did I do it? You know, but I was 33 <laughs> years old and not right. 56. So, you know, still, it was still pretty young. Yeah, did, exactly. Um, did did you guys was your love for the solo Beatles? Did it come from being Beatles fans first or were you guys solo Beatles fans first? Beatles first for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, was more aware of the, even though I've got a couple of years on Mark, I was when I discovered it was, you know, 70, 71. So mm -hmm. as it unfolded for me, that's kind of where I have more of an affinity and, and, and where, you know, my fandom came about, you know, yeah. some, a neighbor gave you a pile of records and there was some Beatles stuff in there. And mm -hmm. there was a dollar bin down at the used record store with, with trashed copies, but still you could have the cover and you could, you know, go in and discover the albums and, and retrospect. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, you know, I'm fortunate. My parents were, you know, 19, 20 years old when I was born in 65. So, right. you know, I, I had it in my bassinet and, you know, I, my first records that I actually purchased with my own money when I was a little bitty kid, three, four, five years old were Beatles records. So, um, so I'm lucky that I was sort of a first and a half generation fan right. well, they put regard. you to work early if you're they did. buying well, your own <laughs> that was you know i i learned the value of a of a of a, of a quarter very right. early on so I, I always wanted records and right. so i was you know cool. one of those annoying little kids who just mm -hmm. you know would go to the record store and say i really want the, you know do you have this do you have this so um right. so for the yeah for me it was the beatles okay going into the solo stuff but, but gotcha. yeah all right, so let's talk about the ebook, e which is which it is now. Let's, let's you know, whose idea was this? You know, what did you guys do differently? Um, I was, I was, I'll let Mark tell this. He tells it better about how it was out of print and we wanted to bring it back to. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, because of the fact that we were seeing that. You know, we, we made a finite number of copies, we made 3000 copies. And once they were gone, they were gone. And as time went on, we felt like, well, okay, uh, we did all this work and it, it's good work. It's good research, regardless of the fact that it ends in 2000, you know, the, the prime years are there from 19, right. you know, 66 to, to, to 2000. Uh, and we felt that it deserved to still be out there in a purchasable form versus having to go on to eBay or what have you to pay 300 bucks or whatever for a copy of it. And so we were, but we were very resistant at first to the idea of doing an ebook just for the very reason that once it's out there, it's out there. Um, mm. You know, you can't, you have, you have no control anymore over its distribution and, and, uh, do you get paid for it? Uh, you know, no. Um, you know, do you get 
so you have to kind of we had to go through that process chip and i did of okay what are we okay with and what are we not okay with um so chip came up with the 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 process of being able to have a pdf of the book um of, of being able to make it to where if you sold it it had to be tied to a code and so on and so forth so at least we had some control over that but really it was just we wanted our work to have a life beyond the 3,000 copies right. of the the book that we printed and so this was the way we could do that without having to go to frankly also to the expense of printing up more books without the right. knowledge of are we going to be able to sell these so right I mean, and I'm sure in the last in those in those 22 in those 20 years as well, people were like, "Hey, where's part two coming? You know, why isn't this book available? Why do I have to pay $300 on eBay to get this book?" I mean, I'm sure you guys were getting hammered. Oh yeah, you know, left and right. You know. Yeah. And the of content of the ebook is was, and Mark explains this better than I do as well on how we froze it in time at the year yeah. 2000, but we yeah. went through, picked up, you know some real clunkers and fix those mistakes and things and added a ton of new session information right into the book and so it was basically we swapped out about thirty thousand words you know good new ones you know pushed out the old bad ones gotcha. yeah and that's something that you know we've we've gotten some comment about which i understand uh and chip does too about wanting you know why didn't you just go ahead update it all the way bring it to current day you you know that all you know some of these sources have been supplanted by superior things and da, 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 da. and the fact is we just we didn't want to do that we thought what we want to do is present the book that we had clean up the mistakes that we knew we made you know the day after it came out <laughs> um and uh still have the book out there but leave it in the year 2000 where Right. You know, we say in the introduction, you know, George is still with us. Right. Paul hasn't yet destroyed his life by marrying Heather. Uh, <laughs> Paul hasn't, you know, it's, it's, we just, we leave it at, in that, you know, in, in that time. And right. so, but, you know, so we make it the best possible book that it would have been in yeah. 2000. Yeah. Right. And, and we wanted to add an, add value to the ebook mm -hmm. as well so that if of somebody course. had bought a hard copy of the book didn't think oh i'm getting dinged twice for this i mean there, there's great new information in the yeah. ebook um yeah lots of good session information paul session right. information george session information john certainly that was not right. available in the original there wasn't the access mm -hmm. to it then gotcha so we're getting a just a, a few questions here from in the comments. So there are not going to be any more pressings of a physical copy of the book. No. It's just the ebook, right? Okay. That is it. We just got a few questions about that. Yeah. Um, and that's like um, that's like asking Mark Lewis and where's volume two of right. tune in. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just just got like three three people asked that question. So I thought I better better ask it. Sure. <laughs> And uh, also, I uh, got a question. Do, did you both crank the tunes while you were writing and researching uh, the book? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, I yeah. think I remember. We'd usually start our sessions by taking a trip to the record store mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just, to, yep. just to warm up and then riff a little bit. And, um, and then and some yeah, things we, we had to kind of re 
re, uh, you know, just get our heads around. Okay, I haven't listened to Bad Boy in in twenty years, so you know look, we need to we need to get you know reacquainted with these things. So right. Um, so yeah, there was certainly quite a bit of listening, and you know Chip, without a doubt, did more listening than anybody else. I mean, right. when it when it comes to sure. you know, uh, I still think one of the great things about the original book is. Uh, putting paid to the myth about wings over America and the mm. fact that chip went through every single tape audience tape of that tour, everything that was available and dispelled the myth that there was all this overdubbing that occurred. Mm. Um, that was, really, I married them back to the, mm -hmm. the original, the originals like, yeah. Was, hey. Oh, wow. So the audience oh. tape I'd sync up with the album and right. okay, they're, they're drifting too much. That's not the same show. Uh, you know, the first time you hear the Denver concert, listening to Soily, you hear his introduction and you know that's the one that's on the album. Right. And it's, it's, it's note for note. I mean, they did not do a lot of polishing work on that. It was, yeah. it was all for the uh, syncing to the film. The right, when they show. did Rock Show, yeah. And, mm. you know, the fact is that album came out very quickly yeah after the tour and so they're there and they were still touring you know they they went to venice and they went you know late in 76 so there was not a lot of time to work on that album so it wasn't like they could have anyway but there's always been this myth that well they basically re-recorded the whole record in the studio and you know and not true the those yeah. which i thought was not only that but also knowing what shows each of the tracks came from which was not certainly not available in the original yeah. album. There's there's, right. there's definitely stories now of the, these great you know live albums from the '70s and the stories now where, you know, we, we get that you hear you know well we we did some fixing up in the studio you know mm -hmm. with because this maybe this guitar solo was lacking you know so we had to re-record this you mm -hmm. know that so so you do hear that from time to time so I mean so kudos for you Chip for for taking the time and and to you know absolutely you know doing that um tell us where where people can order this new uh ebook version uh everything can be ordered through the leninology website which is there, there you go. go there you go what is All that right. last chip your writing still stinks what's the last three uh... <laughs> Three, dot, dot com okay dot com. it right. looks like dot the description yeah too. okay yeah. <laughs> and add a slash and the word order and you'll be on the ordering page uh All right just a, a, a quick question from one more person here from our friend Asselger, which who we uh we got to meet at the uh this past uh this past uh fest for beatles fans and he asked trip is it true that you were originally involved with the upcoming mccartney legacy book I was in on uh, the early stages of that, on the planning of that, and then uh, it just became too much of a conflict with the uh, second Leninology volume, with, with trying mm -hmm. to juggle both of them at the same time. So yes, I was, but uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to. It's coming out yeah. at the end of this year, so Aid and yep. Alan have done a great job on it. Yeah, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, you know to be in the loop on that and really looking forward to you know hearing some stuff on that or reading it uh finally so but kit if uh, no more questions we'll we'll get to the uh 
today's uh, topic. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so Tug of War. This is, um, you know, the album that, um, you know, uh, got a lot of praise for Paul. I mean, obviously went to number one. Um, it had uh, a number one single from it. It had another top 10 single from it. It was, um, you know, being hailed as, uh, you know, a modern day uh, masterpiece from McCartney at the time. And um, I just a lot of a lot of stuff was just, you know, I mean, it was just highly, highly considered. And, um, you know, looking at it now, as you do the research, which you do, you know, thanks to, you know, Eight Arms to Hold You, I mean, you, you'll see that, you know, the, the collaboration between uh, Paul and George, I mean, Paul and George Martin uh, really started with the, the We All Stand Together. Um, that was the first thing that they worked on as they reestablished their partnership. Obviously, they worked together, during, you know, a little bit in the 70s as well. But this, you know, this new partnership really started with uh, the We All Stand uh, Together song, correct? If that's what the book says. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was the first. Correct. It was yeah. the first. I mean, interestingly, it was the, the first thing recorded and then ended right. up being the last thing released <laughs> from <Right>. that collaboration. <laughs> and uh, so, but yeah, that is the truth. But also, yeah. you know, George, uh, for the first time in a long time, George Barton acted as an editor for Paul. And if you listen yeah. to those demos, uh, which first came out, what year, Chip, like 86, 87? 86, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, that that set of, of demos, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's some really painful stuff on those demos. Yeah. Uh, things that it was like, did you really send this to George Martin to, as, as, as top, your top drawer material right. at the time? Um, yeah, or, or just you know, you don't know what is it. You don't know where you're going. Yeah, anyway, just, you better from. stop. You don't yeah, know where she came from. Yeah, you know the, these songs, and you're just like, are you kidding me? And then there are other songs where you can hear the, the germ of an amazing track, mm. but you wouldn't necessarily hear it in the demo. You know, it's mm. it just kind of meanders. Something like "Take It Away" yeah. sounds great at first, but he just kind of peters out toward the end. So you can hear where the collaboration started with those demos and realizing that George really helped Paul sort of collate and go through and say, okay, well, this needs work. This right. needs, you know, uh, go back and do more work on these. So, uh, and Paul, a lot I'm of the sure. work on this started with wings. It with was wing, right. Right. Yes, last right. wing sessions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that, but I think George was, also instrumental in <laughs> saying you don't you don't need wings right. uh you know it it, it you, you are the artist here and right. uh so he yeah he, he definitely challenged paul in a way that he hadn't been challenged in you know 10 years right. yeah well i mean yeah i mean we've we've had lawrence juber on the you know my other show and he talked about how you know during these sessions he didn't really feel that these were band songs he mm -hmm. felt they were just more studio you know paul you know songs and right. and maybe he was right you know yeah so um another thing another myth too is is i mean you know people think that all of this was was recorded at, at montserrat which really isn't true either i mean this these are recorded you know in multiple times throughout you know 80 
80-81. Obviously, they, there was that break there because of, of Len Lennon's untimely death. Um, but, I mean, it seemed like things were really go moving uh, quickly up until, up until that day in December of 1980. Well, I don't know that the start date of the sessions was, was impacted by that. I think that, you know, they, they started down there, what, 1st of February, Mark? Yeah, I mean, it was, was it was it was fairly quick, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, no, there was a year in there. Never mind. Yeah, right. I mean, you got December of 80. So to, to April 81 to March of 82. So, I mean, they're they're obviously working on it a little bit before Lennon's passing. I mean, as a matter of fact, I think they went into the studio that day. Right. Well, they um, did rain clouds that right. day. Yeah. And right. so, yeah, they so they were definitely working toward a record and mm. it had already yeah the, the sessions had begun and then paul obviously took a few months off and then they headed right. down to montserrat but uh you know but before that obviously uh paul got together with george harrison and george martin to do the, all those years ago thing at, at fire park right. um so that you know dates chip like t march i think um, instead of 81 i believe I think it was more in, into the, well, I know they uh, had tracked Wanderlust already because that's the main reason they went out to George's studio. Was yeah, to have right. him play him a solo on that. on that. And George yeah. is like, well, you know, we're here. Can we do this real quick? And Denny and Linda were theirs. So they, they added the background vocals and then never did anything with Wanderlust. Yeah. And then well, George buried them in the mix. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure Paul, I'm sure George wanted to do a lick after every line in Wanderlust too. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So stop, stop doing your Hey Jude thing here. Oh, right. no. Yeah. But, uh, oh, but Kit, I mean, talk about, uh, you know, these early sessions from you. I mean, there are a lot of stuff's going on. I mean, obviously, uh, you being the big Stevie Wonder fan that you are, I mean, obviously, Paul has always talked highly of, of being a, a Stevie fan and just, you know, being a marvel uh, of his work. Um, you know, when did talk about that when, you know, when that came to be throughout the sessions? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Stevie Wonder fan. And so, uh, yeah, that them uh, working together in Montserrat um, and, uh, you know, and of course, Ebony and Ivory now and, and I have to say, this was one moment in your book where I thought, oh, no, because what's that you're doing? I love that track. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's, it's a jam. I completely as, agree. As it's George Martin says, horses for courses. So, yeah. you know, you're, you, you, uh, it's, yeah, once again, yeah. just just our point of view. But, yep. But, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's, I agree. I mean, it's not. You know, it was meant to be Jim, but but uh, Paul's vocals on, I think, on it are incredible. I mean, I love, you know, it's just, a, I think Stevie brought out all this, you know, a little more soulful side and, and, uh, uh, and yeah, I mean, definitely, I think uh, Stevie, you know, challenged Paul to, uh, <laughs> to, you know, keep up with him. And I didn't realize that was an all night session. Uh, hmm. You mentioned that it was a, it was all night. Wow. Hmm. Well, Stevie was late a lot. Yes. Apparently, that's he, you know, he was known for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's actually one of the things that Paul mentions in his in the lyrics. This you know in his book that Stevie was always late. That right. you know he would say, "Okay, I'm going to be yeah, I'll be in Montserrat this date, this Friday," and so they would wait. Friday, no Stevie. Saturday, no Stevie. Sunday, no Stevie. They call. Paul would say, you know, it's Paul McCartney. I, I, 
you know, with, with Stevie's handlers and say, you know, when we, we, uh, Mr. Wonder is in the studio and could not be disturbed. Um, so that was one of the stories in the book that kind of yeah. made me laugh. He said, if he finally showed up, you know, uh, yeah. and then the same thing happened with the video when they did the video and they yes. had to film everything separately because of that. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. And I have to, uh, by the way, thank your book too, for, uh, alerting me to, I never knew there was a second video for Ebony and Ivory. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, of course I knew about that first one i mean that was played to death yeah. but but yeah. that second one with with just uh and it just was paul. just the paul yeah vocal. i never knew that mm -hmm. um, yeah you know. i and i don't remember where it was it it, it, it wasn't obviously not played often but no uh, but yeah that that was uh very interesting yeah and, and, and without stevie's vocals right. and i mean yeah i mean right. i never remember seeing that here yeah ever i mean that's uh, that was so and that's think, the thing that's what i love about your book i mean <laughs> i just you know things like that that i never knew and that all, all version was also on the 12 inch uh right. version of of uh, ebony and ivory as well so right determine which version i like better so. yeah. yep absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i think that you know, one hasn't aged well no well i think it's i think paul finally got the clue during the flowers in the dork tour when he would play the song and people would be running out for beer you know it was like i think he expected oh well this was a big hit so people right. are going to want to hear this and you know at that point it was only seven years eight years after the song had come out yeah. um but you know, it was, it was, <laughs> he dropped it quickly. It did not make it into, in future legs of the tour. So. Oh, really? Well, yeah. yeah well, yeah. And I was, I was actually going to ask you guys about that because, um, you know, I remember when that came out, I mean, it was a monster hit. Oh, uh, couldn't get away from remember? it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was played all the time. It was number one for, I forget how seven many weeks. weeks, seven, seven weeks, weeks yep. straight. Yeah. I mean, it was I mean, an enormous hit. Yeah. It really was. And as you said, you couldn't get away from it. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, everybody likes to, to dump on it mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and while it's certainly, I mean, I kind of get it in that it's, you know, the lyrics are a bit simplistic. I mean, it's, that's true. I, I don't know if, you know, why exactly? I mean, you know, and, and maybe it was a bit as big a hit as it was because it was Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. I mean, mm -hmm. the two superstars mm -hmm. getting together. I don't know. Um, well, you know, why do you also, guys think, oh, go ahead. Well, Tom. I just want to say too, also, with the with the eighties, I know you know duets were big in the seventies too, but duets just I think exploded in the eighties. Mm -hmm. Duets were big business in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, and let's face it, that album would not have been the enormous hit it was without that song. Absolutely. So it's the, it's the you know uh, so that that's the give and take with it is that mm -hmm. um, you know I, I always felt like having that track as the last song on the album uh didn't do it any favors because it didn't have a strong closing um it didn't have paul's big ballad close right like on well, pipes of peace and right see that was exactly and, i, I uh, always felt like if you'd, yeah if you'd have had you know through our through love, love through mm -hmm. our love as which was really to me like the last big 
Paul George Martin collaboration and that from that set those sessions, you know, with the huge orchestra pounding at the end, you know, it, it would have right. been a more impressive ending to that record. Um, but yeah, I just always felt like it sort of dressed me up as a robber and then Ebony Ivory. Right. Yeah. Mm, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, mm. So, so that, that was always my issue with it, that I knew, I just felt from the beginning that the song, as you said, it was not going to age well. It was not mm. because because of the fact that it was so omnipresent yeah you know kind of like we are the world or something you know those songs yeah. from the 80s were just like oh my god i just you know i never ever want to hear this song again it's, <laughs> it, it takes you know it's it's from a a time and a place and right. the first time you heard it or the second time you go, oh that's nice you know what a, what a nice sentiment and that's and then it gets played and then it gets played yeah. and then it gets played and then it gets played it's not the song's fault it's just right. that's but that but that's those are the realities of it. It's just it right. it 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 became too enmeshed in the consciousness, <laughs> and, yeah. and and then you had you know that great Saturday Night Live oh, skit yeah. with Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo, <laughs> right. you know with Sinatra coming in to do his you bit. Are blind you know, as a bat. Bat and I, I have sight. sight. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. Once that happened, it was like, well, this is this song is done. You know? Yeah, right. good um, point. Good point. So we mentioned Stevie Wonder. I mean, this album was also like a who's who of of you know, big. Right. I mean, big big musicians too at the time. <laughs> you know, we talk about Stevie Wonder. We 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 talk about uh, you know Stanley Clark and Steve Gadd. Um, you know, also you know Eric Stewart. Um, mm -hmm. come comes to mind as well too. But we have one of Paul's you know biggest idols too with um you know, with, with the song, get it. And, um, you know, not necessarily one of my favorites, but, um, no. you know, but I kind of like the song that, uh, that, that, um, that he wrote on um, his names, you know, I should have, because it's, oh, what's that? Yeah. Carl, thank you. Perkins. Um, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's not a bad song, but, uh, you know, you know, the, the song that he wrote on his last day at Montserrat, you know, it was was 10 times better than you know get it you know i always thought that that was just a beautiful song and it's too bad that they couldn't work out a way to you know sing that song on on tug of war i think it would have you know enhanced it maybe um but uh but anyways um uh, who else on then you know like i said eric stewart came in a little later as well too um and then we also carry don't forget that during this whole time is you know he's also doing this stuff with michael jackson <laughs> you know and right. which you know obviously will come you know in 82 and 83 right. but you know he he's working with everybody at this point in time it's pretty amazing found a good formula yeah. right yeah but, but tug of war really kind of loses gas after wanderlust i well that's mm -hmm. what we were going to get into next was like you know highlights you know the the track listing because you know in my opinion you know it, it really does start strong but then go then it you know in my opinion it kind of peters out at, at the end but the question uh, oh go ahead oh go no ahead, i was just gonna say before we get into that i i just yeah. wanted to mention um you guys talk quite a bit in your book about Eric Stewart and, and his presence on, on this album. And I just yeah. wanted to just to sidetrack it yeah. a little bit into that before we get into it. Cause I, I thought you made some very interesting points mm -hmm. about that. And I just wanted, wanted you guys to expand upon that. Yeah. You said, you know, you, you mentioned many times, you know, there was a real 10 CC sound to the right. album. So I just wanted right. you guys to explain a little bit about that. What, what influence do you think Eric Stewart had on, on these sessions? Well, I think, you know, 
there's those masked backing vocals that right. are a 10 cc trademark uh are all over that record and you know something like you know especially the perfect example is the end of take it away i mean those those ah uh, you know it's it's right. that's eric stewart arrangement you know i mean he making overdubbing 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 and also bringing linda into a mix that really made her uh, you know she's very present on that record very and mm-hmm. and but in a great way you know yeah. she really managed to there was a blend there with those those vocals with with eric paul and linda uh overdubbed many many times over that that is fantastic and it, it has a real you know, a quality that paul had never had on his records before in terms of backing vocals um and so I think that bringing him in was uh, just a terrific idea. And, you know, Eric had sort of somewhat ended 10 CC at that point, or at least they were on sort of a hiatus at that point. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a great marriage. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate what ended up happening with them um, mm-hmm. on, on, you know, the beginnings of press to play press and to play. the the you know it just it went all upsided but but yeah that his work is is tremendous on those records okay cool. and not well, to say that paul didn't have good backing vocals previously with wings i mean listen to silly love songs and listen right. to with a little luck i mean mm-hmm. oh yeah they were they were getting there but i mean they really perfected it by the time it hit tug of war yeah hmm. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned that with that layered kind mm-hmm. of uh, sound that 10CC was known for. So, yeah. but yeah, and and of course, you know, Paul would go on to work with, as you mentioned, with uh, Eric Stewart quite a bit in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this was their first uh, collaboration. But I just right. uh, wanted you to comment on that because you you make quite a, you mentioned that quite a number of times. You know mm-hmm. what a, what an influence he was over yeah. this album, and also before we go on to the tracks. Wow, Stanley Clark tried to teach Paul slap bass. I would love, I would have loved to have been in the studio to eavesdrop on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he used it too. Listen mm-hmm. to Ebony and Ivory. He's he's got some of that pop. Really, in his wow. bass line. On. Give mm-hmm. give a listen to that. Awesome. Isn't that it doesn't. There has to be like a slap bass too at the beginning of No More Lonely Nights where he's going boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. gotta be like a slap style too. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah. But as, as, yeah. Yeah, but as so many of his albums, you know, he usually has enough to make a double album. And then plus he's also working on a possible cold cuts record, uh, you know, at during this time as well that unfortunately doesn't work out. Um, you know, we talk about how, you know, George and, you know, was kind of like a buffer and, you know, picked the best tracks. Do we think that the best songs from those sessions were on this album? Could it could have been, could this album be even, could have been even better? You know, I'd seem to think so. <laughs> so make Mark has an answer for that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, I've always felt since, you know, those, the, especially after Pipes of Peace came out a right. year and a half later, I felt like, wow, you know, if you'd have been able to have taken the best songs, you know, and those songs were available (laughs) during tug of war, they were, you know, they were of a piece. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, if, if they'd have taken songs like, uh, keep undercover or, or, or through our love, as I said earlier, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
and replaced some of the tracks on tug of war that were a little right i mean it, 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 it this is just me made it a true paul mccartney album no special guests you right. know let's do, take the special the... guests do a duets album and and, and right. put and and do that thing on a duets album but to make a pure right. paul mccartney album um replace those tracks with with the tracks from pipes of right. peace and you have you know an album that easily stands up to anything else he ever did right because that was going to be one of my questions do the duets kind of like hurt the album a little bit now mm -hmm. uh, i mean obviously maybe they, it helped you know it certainly helps know, at that point in time <laughs> yeah. you know but now looking back you know it's more of a novelty of, factor right than right. than an artistic uh gesture right. you know in right. my view you know again this is just mm -hmm. just me talking but but that's the way I've always felt about including, you know, special guests that right. uh, un unless you're, you're going to do a whole thing with them or you're going to, that's going to be the concept where you, you know, do, do the duets thing. Right. Um, you, you, there's no, re Paul doesn't need any help. <laughs> right. No, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent, you know, and especially when you got less songs, like, you know, I'll give you a ring available. Which mm -hmm. I think exactly. Is, Perfect you know, example. Fantastic yeah. song. Even which I mean, but that clouds, song had been out, you know, but I'll give you a ring had been around for almost 10 years at that point. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, right. Um, right. but yeah, there, there, there were definitely better songs to be had that, mm -hmm. that would have made that album not as dated. Or, right. or have aged better, I guess I should say. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Uh, the album starts with Tug of War, the, you know, the title track. Myself, I'm not the biggest fan of the push in and pull in part of the, of the song. I think it kind of hurts it a little bit, but great song, you know, good video. Um, you know, what are you guys' thoughts on, on the opener, Mark? Um, uh, I large I monkeys. What's that? the video with large monkeys. Yes, monkeys? yes, yeah. yes. Um no, I love I love it. I mean, it's it's uh with, with even with the pushing and pulling no, I think it's a tremendous track. It really from it it makes the statement of what this record is going to be right off the bat. You know, I just I remember um I mean, as, as a side point, the we were lucky in St. Louis, uh the local radio station Casey which is sort of a, a the big AOR station has been around since 1967. They got a copy of the album a month and a half early mm. and played it in its entirety in late March, mm. mid to late March of 82. And uh, they said they were going to be playing it. And I'm riding around in my 68 Mustang with a bunch of friends. Hi. And I'm like, I, I need to go home and record this. <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> so, so I'm riding around with them and I'm like, will you guys just shut up so I can listen to this? But right away. Yeah. And, and by the way, Casey got a cease and desist letter, like three right. or four days later from CBS. Oh, and I think, right. I don't know if we mentioned that in the book, but anyway, that, so they had to quell it until then, but they played the whole album front to back. Wow. Um, you know, with no commercials, <laughs> you know, wow. so uh, yeah, which was, which was great. But right off the bat and they you know hearing that song for the first time and realizing this is what i've wanted paul to do mm -hmm. <laughs> for years mm -hmm. to have <laughs> this kind of heft to the to to the lyrical content and to the the just the sound of the record and and 
Um, so yeah, the video, it's interesting, you know, again, referring back to the lyrics book, Paul gives a little more insight into the song itself. The fact that a lot of people think it's about his relationship with John and, right. you know, but, but he had already written it prior to that. There wasn't, uh, but that he actually wanted to do more with that video that ended up happening. Like he, he makes a comment. He, he's, he does like a, a drawings of uh, like a storyboard for the video. And he says, use uh, plastic max uh, black suit from the coming up video, the suit that he wore in that clip, you know, mm -hmm. use that in this video at one point. And hmm. so, uh, so instead of using old film clips, originally it was supposed to be a little bit more developed as a video. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Kit? I, I love that song. Um, not so much the video. Um, <laughs> I thought it deserved a bit of a better video. I, I think it's, I, I think you guys mentioned it in your, your book and I agree. It's, the video didn't quite, I don't know, it deserved a better video than mm -hmm. that. But, but um, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's such a, I don't know. It, it, it just, as you said, it, it just sets the tone for the entire album. It's, it's like an overture, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I, I've just always loved it. Even the pushing, pulling, yeah. you know, because yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, just emphasizes, you know, the, the, as Paul said in, in an interview about the push and pull of opposites and, and uh, um, I just think it's beautiful. His voice, is is just so pure on, mm -hmm. on that track beautifully arranged um by george uh it's um it, it's one of the standouts for me yeah. Yeah. cool chip um i've always been a more of a fan of paul's harder edge stuff yeah. more more upbeat poppy things per se so the first time i heard this album it's like well this is awfully slow to start out for us mccartney album so i kind of didn't appreciate it for what it was at the time mm. and and only in and you know living with it for the last 40 years it's right. taken on a much greater significance right well you know talk about you know songs that are, are picked up a little bit more which i think what you know, sometimes I think the, the next song was the no-brainer to open the album with "Take It Away." Um, I don't know if you guys felt the same way about that, but it just seems like a, a more appropriate opener for this album. I don't know if you guys agree, but uh, I, you know, big fan of this song, love it. I remember this is when I discovered Paul as a solo solo artist back in '82, watching this video. Um, so, so Kit. Yeah, uh, I I absolutely remember seeing this video when it first aired and, and world uh, premiere video. Yes, yeah. indeed, and uh, <laughs> and yep, I love this song from from the jump. I mean, it mm -hmm. was just uh, just a great piece of pop. Uh, and and now you know, I obviously didn't think of it then, but now yep, Eric Stewart uh, influenced uh, harmonies, those mm -hmm. lush you know lush vocals, um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm. I haven't i'm not sick of this song i i'm not not no. yet not yet it's it's nope. just uh absolutely catchy great uh great chord changes um one of paul's best in my opinion yeah, great it's always been yeah, yeah great it's always sleeve. been in my top 10 of paul songs but yep. uh, mark oh yeah i mean it's it's an amazing song. I, I i think he made the right choice for album opener personally i think that okay. I, I love the yeah. transition 
from the sort of orchestral end of tug of war into the drum beats and it just it works that was the okay. way it was meant to be in my view um but but yeah it's it's still one of his his best singles i think it deserved to do far better than it did i mean it reached number 10 um mm -hmm. but you know uh and which was a surprise at the time i was thinking you know what else do you need here you know for, <laughs> it's like this is an amazing song it's there's super nothing, video it, it's Great perfect video. yeah everything er, right. yeah you know for the time when you needed that um you know it, to to make a an impact with a video he, he absolutely nailed it so um so yeah that what, was three months after the album came out that that came mm -hmm. out as a single end of right. july Right. So maybe yeah. maybe the album had been out for too long. I, I don't know. I, well, I think the problem was too that Ebony and Ivory had such a long, such a big, yeah, long legs. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. You know, if they'd have put it out, right. it would have had even less impact. At the you know earlier, if they put it out earlier. So I think they were waiting for Ebony and Ivory to die off before they put it out. But still, in all, um, yeah, there's no denying it's it's in my view one of his best pop solo pop songs. Fantastic. Gotcha. Yep, and and Sir uh, uh, Sergey mentions, yeah. and I agree, great bass playing. I forgot mm -hmm. to right. mention, great yeah. bass on that. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. Actually, um, uh, he had another interesting thought too on there, um, Sergey, and about were the critics? Do you think more kind um, to Paul after John's death? Um, uh, I, I, but myself, I think this album was so is, is strong enough to have deserved all the you know high praise that yeah. it had gotten so i i don't know if you know john dying had to do with him starting to get more favorable reviews which didn't last long because you know oh. the albums after this were getting panned yeah. you know yeah. so it's not a, a rolling stone five-star record even mm -hmm. though it was a rolling stone five-star record exactly it, yeah it, it <laughs> exactly deserved it. right no no right. um but yeah i, I think that there was a lot of anticipation in the lead up to that album coming out. What, you know, for the first time in Paul McCartney's career, he did not release an album in 1981. Um, right. You know, every single year he had an album before that. And that a was a single that, or an album. Yeah. I mean, he had, and he released nothing. Um, so the anticipation for, for, for Paul and George, George certainly got a lot of, you know, uh, for somewhere in England, people yeah. were like, okay, you know, these are the first statements since, since John died, what are we going to be getting here? And, and right. so there was all that anticipation, which people don't really think about now in retrospect, but at the time, you know, waiting for those records to come out, it was like, oh, yeah. you know, what are we going to be getting here? Um, George was kind of a letdown tug of war was not and so i think you know he, paul delivered um whereas all those years ago felt a little forced in my opinion mm. that it was sort of frankenstein doing into what it was um you know we'll get to here today but here today was right. you know the song you know that yeah. that he, he did not disappoint with that so so yeah so i think your point is well taken about were the critics giving Paul more of a pass mm -hmm. at this point, especially post McCartney too, which, you know, yeah, it had right. coming up, but, you know, as an album, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that was the first album where my jaw dropped when that record came out. Right. I, you know, well, was, 
Well, let's jump to here today because we don't want to be here all night, unfortunately. Yeah. Talking about this. But, um, here, but I mean, here that tomorrow. Was, right, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that was, I mean, was it a surprise that the song wasn't a single to you guys? I mean, should it have been a single? Did he need uh, to capitalize on John's death? Or? Yeah, it was too personal. Yeah, I agree with yeah. Chip. I mean, they yeah. did sort of a video for it, which I remember was on Friday night videos. It was just mm. like still okay. pictures, but, mm. but, that was the only sort of release as a single per you know quote unquote but no i i think it it was where it needed to be on that record which was the end of the first side Mm -hmm. um and yeah it didn't need to be a single right chip here today for you no it's one of the highlights of the record of of many highlights um Mm. i think it really hit home on the when he played it on the 2002 tour yeah. Mm-hmm. Got up there, you know, just himself and and it, that that was really a, a great moment from that show. Yeah. Actually my wife uh got to see him perform that at the Amoeba show. She was at the Amoeba oh, show oh, wow. in 2007 and cool. said that I mean in terms of a connection, she said it was it was truly he he the emotional impact that that song had on him in that intimate setting um, that it was, I mean, he, he was the, the, I always call it PR Paul, you know, the, the always that, that totally cracked at that point that, that he was in tears, that it was, it was a a truly emotional moment. And, um, you know, boy, I wish I could have been there with her at that. Right. Uh, <laughs> just to but have witnessed that. that song but it's, live. He does. Yeah. 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 And and he will. You know, that's that's yeah. his with that and, and something, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean that that such a such a moving song. And I, I was really glad when he started doing it live because I always thought, you know, that it was a it was a hidden gem. For, mm-hmm. for so many years and i understood why i mean yes i agree it shouldn't have been a single i mean mm-hmm. it's as you said chip way too personal um but i'm glad he finally started performing it live because i did mm-hmm. think while it was personal it did deserve more attention because exactly. it was such a stunning stunning song mm-hmm. and um and i but i also understood that it probably was hard for him to perform mm-hmm. at first i mean i don't know how because it is so emotional um and and so personal but i and i'm sure there are some nights where it's hard to get through mm-hmm. um yeah. but uh but it is it's it's just one of his best it, it's it's paul is at, at his best as as a composer and, and a lyricist um, mm-hmm. it's just straightforward um absolutely stunning interesting to see too he did actually change a few lyrics in that if you again referring back to the lyrics that he um i actually had to make some notes here so let me see if i can find yeah you're right he did change them a little bit he he changed a little bit um, yeah but he said for the uh what's there well he says i'll just quote because there's one line in the lyric i don't really mean uh well knowing you you'd probably laugh and say that we were worlds apart he said mm-hmm. i'm playing to the more cynical side of john but i don't think it's true that we were so distant right but my view is i think it was probably very true <laughs> because it, and it always rang that way with me personally that that you know i thought that was one of the most truthful lines in the whole thing yes. yeah. um so i i thought that was interesting that revision and then 
um, the line where he says, I love you was originally, I see no point. Wow. Yeah. So his, that was, and he, he crossed that out and added, I love you. But I thought, wow, you know. So long. That's a, that's a. Right. Yeah. Quite a shift. That's a huge Quite change. a shift. Yeah. Right. So. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So a couple of points to bring up there, but I thought, wow. yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Right. Flipping, uh, flipping the album over, we get more, you know, two kind of more upbeat uh, tracks, which, you know, are two songs that I really love on on this album we're talking about ballroom dancing and the pound is sinking obviously you know the pound is sinking i i love because you know paul has such a good knack of taking a couple you know you know smaller pieces and 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 putting them together and uh he's been doing this for he was doing this for years you know obviously mark mm -hmm. yeah i mean uh certainly you hear the de again going back to those demos right i think this may have been example of George helping him a little bit in this regard, George Martin um, saying, hey, you know, I like this bit of this demo, this hear me lover, you know, the, the whole demo, you don't you don't flesh it out enough, but I like this bit and then marrying it with with the rest of that track is uh, is, yeah, the, the kind of collaboration that he he right. I, I think he needed but didn't always want. Yeah. Um, uh, to be honest, but that, yeah, that's a perfect example of, 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 of George Martin sort right. of shepherding and, it a bit. Right. In a way, I felt like it was important for him to add that part in there as well, because of the fact, wasn't he getting accused of fathering a, a, a child, you know, years and <laughs> years ago, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, hear me lover, you know, can't be held responsible now, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, yeah, I never, thought of, I never thought of it that yeah. way, but I suppose it could right. be. Yeah, yeah. Why I mean, not? That's, that's that's my research into yeah. the song was, you know. <laughs> but uh, but kid, ballroom dancing and pound is sinking. I love ballroom dancing, and in fact, um, I think you guys made the point in, in your book that uh, ballroom dancing was considered as the third single, and, mm -hmm. and then mm. tug of war ended up being the, the third single. And yeah, I don't know. I wonder if ballroom dancing would have been the better third single. Much as I love tug of war, yeah, I, I think I, it they wanted been, to hold yeah. ballroom dancing for Broad Street. Yeah, mm. yeah, and yeah, have true. Few, yeah, that's right. But rather I, than a, a third single. Mm -hmm. Yep, I, I, but I, I love ballroom. I mean, that's another one that mm -hmm. that I just instantly gravitated toward. It just a, just a classic. Um, I hate to say it, I'm I'm going to have virtual tomatoes thrown at me. I'm sure, but Pound is Sinking is probably my least favorite track on the album. Oh, wow. It just, yeah, I, I've just mm -hmm. never. I, I don't know. I've just never really connected to it, and maybe it is because of the, you know kind of put together like a bunch of uh it, it just sounds like a bunch of scraps of different songs put together which doesn't always it, i mean that's not always a bad thing of course mm -hmm. but in this one it does i mean when i read your description of how the song came together that was different parts i kind of thought yeah that's how it sounds <laughs> <laughs> it just it, it just does sound like it it, it changes from one tone to the next to the next to the next and it just doesn't hang together for me um right. so that's that's probably the one song on the album that i i don't really but that i think is the weak hmm. the weak interesting one for me. yeah yeah i don't know it's, it's yeah. just yeah just my opinion chip. sure <laughs> chip 
well, you flip over to side two here and you've got the three biggest production pieces on the album. Mm -hmm. Start out ballroom dancing, then bam, bound to sinking, then wanderlust. It's like, Mm -hmm. where are we going to go from here? Oh, yeah. Well, and this was to sort of flash forward to Flowers in the Dirt. I felt the same exact way about Flowers in the Dirt that you had um, this, what should have been an incredible ending for the album with that day is done which made perfect sense and then you flop into how many people which is one of the worst songs no flowers and dirt flowers and never mind my bad no okay go ahead never mind never mind so you go from yeah so you go from from you know that day is done with that right you know just again one of those sort of majestic paul songs written with costello as a great album ender and i almost think that you know again if we don't switch the songs out wanderlust is a far better album closer um than than any of the songs that then succeeded and i felt the same way about flowers in the dirt you know Mm. seven years later that he should have ended it (laughs) i would have been happier with a shorter album or at least a rearrange of the tracks yeah right right um, well, we mentioned Wanderlust because I do want to spend a minute with that. I, 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 for me, it's like when I listen to Wanderlust and I listen to Take It Away, I consider those like the best two songs on the album for me personally. I think it's some of Paul's best singing ever uh, on any track in, in his career. Uh, Kate, I was wondering, you know, where do you rank, uh, this, you know, this song in Wanderlust? I, I, you know, especially singing wise, I think it's one of his best sung songs ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Wander, Wanderlust is is just gorgeous it's it's sort of a mini play in itself i mean i couldn't believe when i found out what it was really about it's like because the was he and his family wanted to go on a boat and they wouldn't let him smoke pot really that's what the inspiration was because it sounds like this majestic epic play and you know but it it is uh gorgeous and pretty uh pretty rangy I mean, that, that's yes. a difficult song to sing. Um, and uh, but again, I mean, everything from the lyrics to the production to to the, you know, the horns. The I mean, it is it's just I, I think a masterpiece, uh, definitely uh, one of the highlights of the album. I have to give a shout out here to Scott Erickson. Uh, he did this song at, at uh, the fest on the Apple Jam stage. He does a great version uh, of cool. it. <laughs> so I just got to give him a quick shout out. But uh, but yeah love love it a a classic from paul and kit just for you dad dad grass is going to be doing a wanderlust uh version of their weed as well (laughs) oh wonderful yeah wonderful (laughs) but uh mark wanderlust for you oh it's one of his absolute you know best songs uh solo songs certainly uh Mm -hmm. would have been interesting to have heard what george harrison might have added to it there you go yeah i i i i you know i Huh? Nothing. Yeah, not <laughs> that one worked out properly. Yeah. Well, I agree. It's just I would have been interested. Yes, not saying it right. would have improved the song, but it's like what what Paul obviously had something in mind there to have asked George to contribute. So I'd been yeah. interested in knowing what that would have been. What but, if, yeah. but but it, I, yeah, there's no way you improve that song. It's it's right. it's perfection. Well, Wonderlust yep. is one of is probably the first McCartney Martin collaboration of the '80s, and it's the first one where you've got that majestic sound to it. You got the air mm. studio piano that you you just know 
something about when Paul plays that, you know, it's going to be one of his great songs. Um, it wasn't one of my favorites when I first heard it, um, but now it's, you know, you know, best song on the album. Yeah, it hit yeah. me immediately in that 68 Mustang. It was like, this <laughs> the, this is unbelievable. This yeah. Again, I was just hearing these songs and thinking, right. this is what I've been waiting for. You know, as much as right. I enjoyed London Town and Back to the Egg, and I did not enjoy McCartney too. these were the songs. It was like, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Thank you for giving well, us I'm, these. I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, because I wanted to ask you, you know, hearing that album, obviously you, your mind was blown when you first heard this album. Do you feel that way now going back and listening to it? Has your opinions changed at all? Um, do you still think it's a very strong McCartney record? Well, I, you know, I don't feel the same about it that I did then just, and again, I've, it's just for the reasons I've mentioned, I, I, I don't enjoy the duets uh i i would happily they're always that was the reason that i was glad cds came along it was like (laughs) i got my columbia cd of that it's like what's that you're doing goodbye you know uh i can stop this album it dressed me up as a robber and i don't have to get up and take the needle off um you know it it definitely uh the the best songs on it i still think are some of the best songs he ever wrote Mm-hmm. Um, and I love them just as much as I did then, but the songs that I felt sort of iffy about then are the songs that I could definitely do without now. So, okay. so as a whole, um, it's, I, I wish, I wish other things had been done with the song selection. Okay. So is, would you put this in your top 10 of McCartney records? Oh yeah. Though? Yeah. Okay. All right. yeah. Chip. Um, it was the first album of, of the third phase of McCartney. We had Beatles Paul, we had right. Wings Paul, right. and now we've got solo artist Paul. Um, and was it his last great album? Mm-hmm. Could be. Chaos and uh, Creation. No, it's, it's in the top three. <laughs> yeah. Chaos and Creation is truly a remarkable album and that one is one that only gets better with age and i would not change a single thing about it and he made but that that again that says everything about collaboration and yeah and nigel was you know the guy he needed on that record Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. unfortunately he hasn't had it since and i wish he had so okay fair kit um definitely top five um, Paul albums. I, I, I've always loved it. Um, you know, I, I've, I turned to Tug of War again and again. Is it a perfect album? No. You know, I, I completely agree with that. But um, it's, it still sounds, on the whole, fresh to me today, the way it was produced, the way mm-hmm. it was recorded. Yeah, it Paul, doesn't sound dated at it all. It really doesn't. No. Exactly. It really no. doesn't sound dated to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I, uh-oh. <laughs> what, now, what do you think? Because seriously, I, I really don't feel no. unlike way too many 80s records that where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my God, you can tell yeah. where this came from. Yeah. Uh, with Tug of War, I just, I never felt that yep. it was. Oh, yep. Go ahead, Chip. 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 I just wanted to say the 2015 remix. Oh, 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 mm. 
Yeah. I mean, horrible, horrible. It, it did the album no favors. I no. understand the reasoning behind it, but it, but it really, you know, there were just way too many missed cues and, and things that sounded more dated on the 2015 than they did on the original. Well, Why do you think they, they took all that album because they needed a high res version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the way that the original was mixed, it was an early digital mix mm-hmm. okay. uh, that could not go as far as the resolution. It would never go higher than the old 1644 that you'd use for CD. Um, so they had to go back and remix it, but it sounds horrible. It has no life They, you know, they sucked all the life out of the mix. It's, um, it's very flat. It's very mid rangey. It, it just, yeah, I, I was The original stunned. was pretty darn oh, good. Perfect. I mean, yeah, it, it was really perfect. was, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it really doesn't sound dated and, Mm-mm. uh, always one of my, one of my all time favorites. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this is definitely a top five McCartney record for me. I mean, if if there's, you know, a youngster coming up to me and say, hey, Tom, what, you know, albums, you know, if I want to be a McCartney fan, what albums should I check out? Tug of War is definitely an album that I'm going to give uh, to that person to check out, because I just think a lot of his quality, I mean, a lot of his, what he's known for is there on that album, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's yep. singing or, or songwriting or harmonies, like, you know, what, you know, stuff that we've all brought up throughout the show. I mean, it's, it's all there. And I really think that this is one that should uh, go back to and be listened to often. I do agree that it's, it's you know, there's st- some stuff on here that I think are a little cringeworthy now, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've never, but, but like you, Mark, I mean, the songs that I, I never really cared for the first times I listened to this album, I still really don't care for now. I mean, they haven't really grown on me, unfortunately, you know, get it. I still just, I still don't get it, you know? Um, and, um, you know, unfortunately, as much as I, yeah, as much as I love Stevie wonder, I never, I didn't really think that collaboration worked for this album. You know, I think maybe what you're doing might've been better on McCartney too. Um, you know, and just my opinion, but, um, we'll talk later, Tom. Yeah. (laughs) But listen, it's, it's still a fantastic album. Obviously there's a couple tracks that were, you know, that were, you know, on the shelves that would maybe would enhance this album, uh, like we mentioned earlier too, but, uh, still, it's it's still a terrific album and it still still stands up. It still holds. So uh, you know uh, everybody out there, you know, let us know in the comments like you've been doing. Everyone, you know, put it also put it in the comments and let us uh, once this video is over with and and tell us what your thoughts are. What are your highlights? Uh, what are the standout tracks on this album? We'd love uh, to know. So uh, Kit, was there any uh, other questions in the comments uh, that we can ask? Be- before we sign off? Uh, well, a number of people agree with uh, your um, assessments of the remix, uh, the 2015 remix. These agree awful. Um, <laughs> um, they, and uh, uh, Astro Jair asked, yeah, what was the reasoning behind the remix? They said just, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, a, a high resolution uh, version of the album to package in the archive series because that was an element of every archive series release is to include a, a 2496 version of the album for download. Um, mm. And like Mark said, it was mixed in digital. It wasn't the sample rate was 1644. And, um, you know, that's why they had to add the remix. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, another question um, from Mark uh, Zutkoff, who uh, also said he agreed with me on the pound of sinking. So Mark is clearly, you know, I, I know Mark, he's, he's very smart. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, just kidding. On, um, he asks, on Dress Me Up as a Robber, was there supposed to be a guitar solo that either was never recorded or was mixed out? Well, Denny's solo on it is, is, was probably there for Montserrat. Mm -hmm. The, yeah, the Spanish on, guitar. Right. Solo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But I don't think there was anything that was left off necessarily. Mm. Okay. All right. Great. Well, right. Um, Mark, why don't you start off and let us know if you're, if you're working on anything, if anybody can get a hold of you or just uh, what have you been up to lately? No, oh, well, um, I'm working on getting retired uh, <laughs> in a couple of months here. And uh, but no, I, I continue to uh, do uh, work with my friend Andrew Sandoval. Uh, he I'm, I'm sort of his, his notes editor. And, uh, you know, whenever he, he has a project, his, uh, he issued a monkey's book last year. Oh, yeah. A day by day yeah. book yeah. that I was the primary editor on. Um, okay. Nice. So that was that was the way I spent the better part of the pandemic was uh, shifting files back and forth. Uh, that thing ended up on being almost coast. as heavy as the lyrics book, uh, didn't it? Oh, it's <laughs> its thing is enormous. Yeah. Um, uh, it was. It, it, he wanted it to be in the five hundred page range, and it ended up being bigger than eight arms. It was like eight hundred something so wow yeah. uh, is so, that book still available for people if they want to order it i don't think so i think he sold them all um and okay, he has wow. no plans to do anything he's sort of like ours it's like when it's done it's done but we'll see but that was a real honor to to work on that um uh so that that's the kind of thing i'm doing at the moment retirement may bring new things first it's going to be mm -hmm. sorting through my wife liz's and my uh Co collaborative collection and this i will have to say this eight arms is is the book that brought us together uh mm -hmm. 20 almost 20 years ago wow uh, and uh yeah we 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 met as i i went out to la to see the elo uh taping uh the zoom tour live that oh, wow. in 2001 oh, cool. okay. uh and i met liz at a, a gathering before that taping at mm -hmm. cbs it's television city in Hollywood. And uh, so we, we met and became friends first and then got married a, a few years later in 2005. So, um, wow. and it was, she, she had bought my book, two copies of my book, one for her and one for a friend. So that was our <laughs> wow. introduction. So I owe, so I owe my, my marriage to, to Chip and to eight arms to hold you because I don't, don't think, uh, don't think it would have happened otherwise. So this book is incredibly meaningful to me as a, as Very a result. Wow. So Very nice. Little, little little extra added non-tug of war story for you there. But. Jeff Lynn a little ahead of his time with the whole Zoom uh, thing, huh? Exactly. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. So anyway, so that's so my my plan is to uh, in retirement sort of start. We came to our collections late in life, and we have doubles of many many things because she worked in 
the music industry for many years, as mm, did I. So, wow. so uh, we got to go through some doubles and get rid of some stuff. So. Well, <laughs> there's some McCartney doubles out there. Maybe we'll <laughs> yeah. be in touch. Okay, okay sounds <laughs> good. Chip has first dibs on the vinyl, so he, he's already he's already Chip, said he's making a special lose trip. Lose his down. email, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but Chip, um, everybody that's familiar with you also knows you for your uh, Lennonology book. Um, yes talk about this is still available you can still re you can still buy a copy and uh, let us know what else you're working on um one thing on tug of war i wanted to drive home because i don't know that we really said it but it was 40 years ago this week oh yep. wow it came out yep oh wow so um yeah yeah so well right. times but uh, <laughs> as you mentioned um uh, leninology uh came out from what was going to be an update of eight arms I, you know, I, I started to think of all the things that I wanted to include in the book that weren't there, and I never got past John. So uh, it was a 15-year process from, from cradle to grave. Um, came out in 2015, and I still have some hardbacks, and I still have plenty of paperbacks. Mm -hmm. uh, they can be ordered on the, the uh, Leninology.com website. And that does say dot com at the end. That does say dot com at the end. And I'll put the link in the in the description. <laughs> okay. Um, so that was a huge project, and there's still, you know, I don't want to say the outtakes from that, but the additional material that I prepared at the time for a future volume has, has just got great information about uh, um, John and Yoko's career. Um, that I think will will open a lot of eyes um, if if that gets done. So, but uh, maybe that's what I'll do yeah. in retirement is push your ass forward. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, that, you got to. That's right? kind of what happened with Leninology. We we right. you know it it was hard getting to the end uh, the end line on that. And, yes, it and, was. And so Mark came along and. Uh, we we he did the same thing he does for Andrew. I mean, yeah. he's, he's a great sounding board and editor. And uh, yep. Mm -hmm. So so cool. let's well, sure we'll see what happens. Right. <laughs> Excellent. Cool, Kit. What you got going? All right. Well, first, before I get to that, let me just uh, let everybody know how they can contact us. Uh, you can reach us, uh, of course, on our Facebook page. You can reach us on Twitter um, at TalkMoreTalk1, the number one. We, you can reach us on our Facebook page, uh, TalkMoreTalk.com. You can, uh, of course, reach us via email at TalkMoreSoloTalk at gmail.com. Uh, please send us your your. Uh, feedback. If there are topics that you would like to see us cover, uh, please yep. send that too. You just might see uh, one of your ideas on this show. Um, of course, subscribe to this YouTube channel. Our subscriptions are going up and we thank you so much for your support. Uh, tell your friends, tell everyone you know to, to hit that uh, subscribe button. Uh, help us get our numbers up. And uh, also, of course, if you prefer listening to the audio version, you can uh, subscribe to pretty much any uh, 
podcasting platform you can think of spotify itunes you name it um so as so although all those the, all those are the different ways that you can reach us uh, as far as mm. i go um you can uh see me sometime this week i'm not quite sure when but i will let you know on my facebook page um the next installment of the greatest shows of the 60s that i mm. co-host uh with plastic ep you all know him the great ho host from australia is a lot of fun uh this week we will talk about batman so uh, so that will be a lot of fun and uh so yeah there you go bat pow <laughs> whammo and uh so that will be sometime this week i'm not quite sure when yet as i said i will let you guys know just uh if you follow me on facebook i will post the date and time as soon as uh soon as i hear uh the exact details so i think that's everything for me Okay, cool. Well, as we mentioned earlier, unfortunately, Ken Michaels and Joe Mayo can't be here. So please don't forget to take a look at their YouTube channels, uh, Mean Mr. Mayo, also Ken Michaels Radio and Things We Said Today. A um, lot, of, lot of great uh, content going on in those channels and uh, they're growing and growing and uh, getting yes. more and more popular every day. Uh, for Two Legs, again, we just, you know, we're as busy as ever. We, we just hit the 1,000 subscriber yep, uh, goal on on our on our um on our face on our youtube channel sorry i'm tongue-tied right now and uh we have our little <laughs> giveaway as well um you can still enter i think friday now we're going to announce the winner um uh, but we're giving away the wings wildlife half speed master and the red vinyl from uh, of mccartney from 2017 there's still still time to enter all you got to do uh, is email us at two legs podcast at gmail.com you can go to our 1000 subscribers video on youtube YouTube, um, or if you're a YouTuber, you can make your own video and just tell us your favorite album from each decade. What was your favorite McCartney record from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010? And you will be entered to win that contest. So um, that's it for now. We'll get into more later on, but uh, I don't want to take up any more time for the, from these two gentlemen. I want to thank you guys for, for appearing on the show, talking thank about so uh, the, the very wonderful tug of war. And don't forget, please, people, look into their Eight Arms to Hold You ebook. It's like they said, um, they, they put some more work into it. They, they got rid of some words. They added some more stuff, <laughs> some more session detail uh, in there. And I'm sure that you will, mine will be blown when you look into this book because you will have, you will learn so much um, yep. from this book. Even if you're, a, uh, even if you're from your beginner to a hardcore fan, there's something for everybody in this book. So it's really a must have. You so, need this again, for your library. Yes, you need definitely. It. Yes, please, please check it out. And hopefully we'll get Mark and Chip back at a later date. It's yes. great having you guys here. Love so everybody out there. Um, thank, thank you for asking us. We appreciate awesome. it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. loved having you on. <laughs> yeah. Great. Had a lot of fun. Good. 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 So, uh, so for Mark, for Chip, Kit, I'm Tom. And uh, as always, everybody out there, have a great day and a beautiful night. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.